to overcome, succeed in dealing with a problem or difficulty, defeat of an opponent to prevail, overpower or overwhelm of an emotion, adversity, a difficult or unpleasant situation, used in a sentence, resilience in the face of adversity. I want to break free. All right, welcome back, everybody, to episode six of the Overcoming Adversity podcast. I am one of your hosts, Blake Cohen, who's a certified addictions professional, and I'm here with Amanda Marino. Hi, Amanda. Hi. Hey, Blake. What's going on? And you are a certified life coach. I am. I am, Blake. Wow. <laughs> so uh, we have a very exciting podcast today. I'm, I'm really excited to hear this story. I think it's going to be a really powerful one. Um, there's been uh, the possibility of tears has been thrown out in the air, which is always uh, gets us all emotional. So it should be an interesting podcast. It might just be five minutes of us all sobbing together, but we'll find that out. Um, so Amanda, why don't you go ahead and introduce Kim to our audience? Absolutely. Thank you, Blake. And um, so, you know, humbled and grateful and honored to, you know, have you on here, Kim, to start. Um, you know, Blake and I have come together to start this podcast and, you know, we're, we're pondering on guests and we're trying to like reach outside of our, our comfort zone. You know, a lot of the people that are in our day-to-day -day life have overcome the adversity of addiction and mental illness, um, you know, eating disorders, things like that. But we want to, you know, really diversify who, who we um, bring on our podcast. So like when I was trying to think of people that have overcome things, you know, Kim, you were the first, like I wanted a female and you were the first one that came to my mind. So I really Aww. thank you for coming on here. Um, Kim, do you want to introduce yourself and just, you know, Kim is, um, Kim is someone I've known from high school and we just follow each other on social media now, but Kim, um, has overcome some serious struggles. And I think I only know a fraction of it because of course we only tell so much on our Instagram and our Facebook timelines, you know? So Kim, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, absolutely. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to share my story. Um, so my name obviously is Kim. I am an assistant principal. Um, I've been for about eight years. Prior to that, I was a teacher. I'm also a single mother to my beautiful little boy, Hendrix, who's five. Um, uh -huh. And I have Parkinson's disease, which is basically the depth of my story, which we'll get into. But yeah, it's been quite the journey the past. I was diagnosed um, three and a half years ago, but my symptoms started as soon as I gave birth to Hendrix, which was about, you know, five and a half years ago. Prior to and that, I would like to say I was normal. <laughs> so what, what, what was the first thing that you noticed? Like what was the first, um, something that was like off to you that made you, like, what, what did you start to right. notice? Sure. So right after I gave birth, I started to have like numbness and tingling in my leg. So I thought maybe it was the epidural, like didn't wear off completely. So I went, you know, back to my dyno and I asked him, he's like, no, that seems odd. You know, it really shouldn't be anything much, you know, just give it some time. So as time went on a few months later, it started to travel up my leg and I started dragging my foot when I was walking. And then next thing you know, like when I go to move my hand, my left, and this is all my left side, my arm would begin to tremor. Um, my, my thumb was like, uh, like uh, always like in, I didn't really have much movement of it. And then, you know, for the next year, it continued only to get worse. That by the time um, my son was a year old, I went to the doctors again because I was like, something's definitely not right here. So I went to go see my, you know, my general practitioner. He said, oh, it looks like you just have sciatica. 
so he wanted to give me a steroid to treat it and I was you know I was nursing at the time so I said no I'm like I'll just go on and you know continue you know it should be fine you know he gave me some exercises to do and over the course of the next year because I nursed my son until he was two it just I mean by the time my son was two and I went back to my doctors I had lost all complete movement on the left side of my body wow I mean I couldn't type on my left side I couldn't raise my hand to wash my head my leg dragged if I tried to even use my left side I was tremoring completely um so when I walked into the doctor's office he took one look at me he's like you need to see a neurologist he's like something's not right for sure now all this time of those that of this time of you just like pushing through you were working you were a mom oh, yeah. and oh, you yeah, were working. working out oh yeah absolutely and i mean i was still with my son's father at this point yeah so i was working out completely at um you know besides being an assistant principal i'm also a health and fitness coach online so i do share a lot of my story you know part of being at that is you know sharing who you are and being open about your life so i was I shared a little bit about it, but I didn't really talk much about it because I didn't really think much was going on. I just thought, you know, it was something a little odd and I, you know, I would, you know, just kind of keep it at that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I still worked 60 hours a week, still worked out every single day and I just pushed through like there was nothing wrong really. That is like, whoa. Kim, I, <laughs> I mean, sorry if I, this may seem like an ignorant question yeah. and I just don't know very much about Parkinson's, but sure. Uh, at your age, isn't it unusual to develop Parkinson's? Isn't that something that's usually developed later on? So it was kind of an early onset for you? Correct. That's exactly what it was, early onset Parkinson's disease. So, you know, for me, for somebody to have it, it it's very odd. So it's the last thing anybody would ever think of. Um, but, you know, we, we realized over the course, that I actually took six months for me to get diagnosed, three different neurologists, and every test under the sun, because I am so healthy. You can't find cholesterol. I mean, blood work, nothing is wrong with me. I'm as healthy as they come. And then there's one last test that they did and it's called a DAT scan. And it's where they test your brain for dopamine. And people could actually come back with this test being normal and still have Parkinson's. I came back with basically no dopamine on the right side of my brain, which obviously controls the left side of your body. And then the left side, I had minimal dopamine in there. But even wow. the neurologist that I saw before he even did this test on me, he diagnosed me with it just by doing a movement test. I mean, he knew right away. Um, wow. but, yeah, but it doesn't, and that's funny because every appointment I ever went to was with family and it's the only appointment I went to by myself and he diagnosed me right there on the spot. And I mean, talk about the worst day of your life. <laughs> and, and how old were you at this time? Cause I know we're like the same age. Yeah, I, I was 30, when I was diagnosed, I was 34. 34, okay. Yeah, yep. And wow. so- Usually, a lot of times it's genetic um, Parkinson's, but in my case, nobody in my family has ever had it. I've done genetic testing, which I wasn't crazy about at first because I didn't want to know if my son would have it because I want him to live a normal life and not, you know, every little movement be like, is that Parkinson's? Um, right. But I did end up doing it only for research purposes. So I don't. And then the only factor we could figure was when I was in elementary school, um, I was in a tornado, a tornado hit my elementary school in New York knocked down the wall 17 kids who got hurt and nine died and I was one of the 17 who had massive head trauma they lost counted over 300 stitches in my head so they figure that it lay dormant in my body all these years it wow. usually takes about 10 years to come out and then they think that you know the being pregnant and having the trauma of giving birth and the hormones is what onset it wow, wow. Yep. so let me ask you this I mean going through something like that especially at that, that early age what was your first emotional reaction to, to getting this type of diagnosis? I mean, fear, anger, what, what did that look like? Um, 
I don't think it really hit me right away. Honestly, I'm such a, I like to consider myself a really strong person that I was like, oh, no big deal. You know, I'll work through it. And then my brother, who was one of the first person I called, had a different thought. And his was, well, when you die, what are you going to do with Hendrix was the first thing he said to me. So, oh my God, I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm thinking about this wrong. You know, maybe this is, I am going to die because of this, you know? And then honestly, part of me was angry at my son. I'm like, I cry every time I say this. I'm like, what if I never had him? Like, would I be normal? And then I felt so bad for even thinking that, you know? Wow. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry as a mom. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, though, because yeah, it's a no, very real, you. very real yeah. thing to say. And I'm sure a lot of people would be embarrassed to admit that they have those things, but that's really what goes on in our minds. Yeah. You know, and it's like, would it have come out then? Would it, would it be 10 years from now, 20 years from now, I'd be living a normal life? Eventually, yes, I know I would have had it, but it's like having it at 34 sucks, you know what I mean? Yeah. It definitely does. I mean, to, to relate to you as a, a woman in recovery, when I first had my son, I was angry at him because he took away what I wanted to do, you know, right. and I was, Absolutely. I was, I was resent. And now, you know, to even, to, I, to when I first said that for the first few years, when I shared my story, it, I would, I would like choke and cry and hysterically every time I said it, but it was not, you know, it wasn't about him. It was about where I was and what I was going through and, and the love we have, you know, is, and I'm sure, you know, you with your son, like he's your everything. So it's not even about that, but it's, I think it's a normal thought, you know? So he's actually been my saving grace for this entire thing. I mean, you know, when we get to the depth of my story, you'll know he's the reason I'm still here for sure. So, um, yeah, no, that's, that's intense. Um, mm-hmm. so you have mentioned a couple things about your relationship. So I wanted to kind of ask you about that. So what you were, you were married to his father, correct? No, we actually weren't. We were together. Not okay. Never, never okay. married yet. Okay. Um, yeah. He actually, he worked, he's always worked in the Bahamas since I met him. Um, so he was gone pretty much two months here, two months away. And I mean, if, you know, at first, I, it's been, actually, it was great for our relationship because two, it always gave us, you know, each other the break. But it's also, it was hard when she, we had a kid, you know, especially the hours that I worked. But when he was home, he was the caretaker. And when he was away, you know, I was caretaker 24-7. I mean, when I was diagnosed, I was by myself. Every doctor's appointment I went, he was never there. And, you know, we just started to grow apart. So, you know, once, we, you know, he'd come home, we'd watch TV in different rooms and, you know, start sleeping in different rooms. And, you know, one day I just made this, you know, I spoke to him. I'm like, I just don't feel like, you know, this is even working anymore. And I'm like, I, I'm so lonely with everything that I'm going through. And, you know, my outlet has been sharing on social media that I feel like I can't even share with you because you don't understand because you're not here for any of it. You know, and he agreed that it was time to move on. And it's funny because when I would tell people, you know, I was, we were going to split up, everybody's like, you sure you want to do that? You know, he's been by your side and nobody's going to want to date you because you have Parkinson's. And I'm like, <gasps> excuse my language. I was like, fuck that. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse. I was like, no, yeah, no, fuck that. I'm like, yeah, somebody will love me. Parkinson's, you know, whatever. Like I'm not going to settle and be miserable for the rest of my life and unhappy because really I was lone, like more lonely in the relationship than I was being, in, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I'd rather be alone and lonely than with him and lonely. Yeah. So, you know, we made that decision. Yeah. And after nine years, I mean, it was hard, hard as hell. And I mean, I lost so much financially that I had worked for too, because, you know, I added his name to things and, you know, we acquired things together throughout the nine years. And I mean, I went from being on top of the world to financially still struggling today. Yeah. It's hard. Yep. I see that you have a good relationship. 
relationship with him though. So you guys, or it seems like co-parenting is that? Yeah, it definitely was, it it was tough at first, but that's one promise that we made to each other. Like we didn't leave this relationship in animosity, you know, we were amicable and we both decided that Hendrix always has to be our number one priority. And it's funny because both of us never really wanted kids. And this was the reason because we didn't want, you know, I grew up without a dad and I didn't want him to do the, the same, but I mean, his dad is wonderful, you know, and he's, he loves him to death and he's a great father. So, you know, we've real learned to put our differences aside. We're honestly, we're best friends now, you know, we have a great co-parenting relationship, but I'm really lucky for that. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's funny because he's actually been here for me now more that we're not apart when it comes to everything than when we're actually together. Hmm. Yeah. That may, that's, it's hard for some people and it's not, you know, people don't know how to handle certain things, I think. Yep. Um, so what, so back to like the talking about just certain adversities and, and things you overcome, what do you, like, what are, what is something that you would love to share with people that you've overcome and like challenges you face and how, you know, it's helped your life or how you've been able to shine it onto others. Cause I know that you, you kind of expressed that, you know, when we were talking in the, before the podcast. Right. So, I mean, I feel there's so many, I feel like, um, hopefully I can hit them all. I think the hardest thing is just not having anybody my age to even relate to what I'm going through. Um, because your body, when you have Parkinson's, it, there's nothing you can do about it. You could be fine one minute and with the next minute, you know, you can barely move. I mean, there's the days at my job where I've spent in the closet and pain crying and I'm so, you know, tough that I won't let anybody help me, you know, and I have between the Parkinson's with the medication, I have dystonia and dyskinesia. So you know, this, the dyskinesia is the involuntary movements. Like if you see Michael J. Fox where he moves a lot, that's what I had so bad that at my school last year, I had parents thinking that I was doing cocaine during school. So that oh started going around. Yeah, so I had to send a letter home to a whole family, to the 800 and something, you know, people letting them know that I have Parkinson's. Like, that's not what I want to do as a professional, you know? Right. Um, the medication is another huge one. I mean, constantly trying new medication is just, it's exhausting. I went from, you know, my first appointment three and a half years ago, taking, you know, starting with a patch on my body to eventually taking 40 pills a day, you know, and constantly every three months we've had a change because my disease is so progressive. I went from a stage one to a stage four out of five in three and a half years. Um, another challenge is dating. I mean, people weren't wrong when they said that for sure. I mean, nobody wants, I hate to say, but I'm a challenge. Nobody wants to take me on, you know, guys are so... I don't know if guys just don't know how to handle it, you know, and people are like, oh, I don't care, you know, but then you go out with them one time and you're moving around like crazy. And the next thing you know, they're like, oh, I don't want to date you, but it's not because of the Parkinson's. Well, asshole, now I think it's because of the Parkinson's, you know? Um, (laughs) Yeah. um, Let's see. um, Depression is something that comes along with it. And it's definitely something that I, you know, I was diagnosed with last year. I acquired, you know, I think between breaking up with my son's father, losing everything financially, I had multiple houses I lost. Um, that, you know, it all took a huge toll on me. And, you know, there was a point where I was done. I was ready to check out of life. Like, wow. So yeah. what, what is motivating you and, and feeding your fuel to, to want to, or sorry, feeding your fire to, for you want to keep fighting and, and for you to want to overcome this? Because obviously it's not something that you're ever going to overcome. It's something that's right. progressive that you had said. So when, when comes in the acceptance? When, when does that all come in? And, and where are you at today? Right. So I, the pain was just so unbearable that I just wanted to be done, you know? And, and I think when I finally opened up to friends, 
that's when I realized like I got to do I got to do something more and I was so embarrassed to even tell people that I was feeling that way I mean I think it really hit me when my best friend walked into my house and I was on my floor just crying you know mm. um but what you know what originally started to change my mindset was when I was first diagnosed too was getting into personal development and reading or I don't really read <laughs> I don't have the uh, attention span but listening to personal development and the first book that I ever listened to was John Gordon's Positive Dog and he talked about turning challenges into opportunities so mm-hmm. you know that's why I started sharing my story originally um, and then from there is my son I mean he's my biggest motivating force you know I don't want to you know I grew up without a father and I don't want to leave him without a mother and it's you know I feel like it's being very selfless selfish if I do that so I just, and I'm, I'm strong and I'm hard headed and I'm <laughs> tough as fuck, you know what I mean? And I'm like, I got to get through this no matter what it takes. So I just, I just had that mindset that I wasn't going to give up. And, you know, I literally tried every possible thing that there was to make myself feel better from cupping to uh, acupuncture, to Botox on the left side of my body, to every freaking medication, to injecting dopamine in my body to the point where I would feel like I was, you know, doing drugs you know I would literally either pass out right afterwards or I'd be in the bathroom throwing up and I'm like I can't live like this and yeah. didn't you recently Kim have a, a brain surgery I did so that's actually been like the turning point in all of this it got you know it was so bad that my neurologist at the Cleveland Clinic after being with him for you know almost three years that there's basically nothing else he can do at this point and the only thing left that he can think of that would make me be better is, is brain surgery, deep brain stimulation surgery. So last September, I was referred to either University of Miami or University of Florida. I had my choice. So I called both of them, and the wait was six months for both of them, six to nine months. And then my little brother actually works at the University of Florida. So I asked him, and I'm like, hey, do you know anybody in neurology? I'm like, I, I can't wait six to nine months. I'm like, I can't. The pain is unbearable. He's like, oh, funny, actually, one of my students is the chair of neurosurgery. Let me contact him. Right away, mm-hmm. with that day, I had the, the neurosurgeons, the chair of neurology, the, the booking coordinator, all an email chain with my brother, and they got me in two days later to see the wow. neurologist. Yeah, so even going there, I saw the neurologist, and he wanted to try me on different meds again. I'm like, and I was so frustrated at this point. But the other scary part was that none of my medication was, work, was working, and I have anxiety. So... The only thing that I find that was working was taking Xanax. So there was a point when I went to the neurologist in September that I was up taking 12 Xanax a day, oh my which most people can't function on, but one, it helped me with my anxiety, and two, it helped with me actually having to have regular movement. And he's like, there's no way I could do surgery on you having 12 Xanax a day. He's like, you're a risk. He's like, I don't even know how you're functioning right now. So I had to wean right. off of those. Oh, my God. How was that? Was that I hard? Mean, no, it actually wasn't, except for the fact that my mother went around calling me, you know, that I was addicted to drugs telling everybody. Oh, no. Beautiful, yeah. <laughs> it's so much of what I'm hearing in your story, too, is that, you know, you're already struggling with something that's really difficult physically and mentally, emotionally, everything. But then I'm also hearing that there's some outside shaming from other people as well who don't really even understand the full scenario, understand the situation. And it sounds like they, they're almost judging you for what you're going through. So that's oh, yeah. got to be difficult to deal with as well. Oh, yeah. You should see going to a bar is I've, I've stopped. I, only go to, I would only go to one bar to have drinks, and that's because everybody there knew my story. It, otherwise, if I go out, like I went to Del Rey, maybe like right before I had my surgery, I went to Del Rey out with, with my girlfriends. 
every single bar that I went to, people asked if I was okay. Do I, maybe if they should cut me off. I mean, because I move so much and I'm like, it just gets old, you know, but I also, I can't blame people because my age, people don't have it, you know? So it's not something people are familiar with. So I got to the point in my life too, where it's instead of being angry at people, you just have to educate them. Sure. I was, I was on a cruise and I had them, I had a whole, like, 10 people come up to me on the cruise when I'm trying to dinner, enjoy dinner with my girlfriend that people were complaining about my movements because I was so wasted and they wanted to, they had asked me to leave the dining room. Never even spoke to me, went up to my friend to tell her. And we just, I lost it. I'm like, you guys are so ignorant. Like come up and have a conversation with me. First of all, you know, be, you know, scope out the situation or assess the situation. If you spoke to me for 30 seconds, you would know I'm not wasted. I have a neurological disease. And I just can't help myself. I remember seeing you post that. I was just going to ask you about that. I remember you posting that video on Instagram that really broke my heart because, you know, you're out. I think you said in the, in the post, like something you would have, like you were like on your first drink and, you know, at dinner with your girlfriend and like all these people were complaining about you being so intoxicated and like how that must feel, you know, just being in your shoes and like just trying to be okay in your day-to-day life. And like, not even be able to like, just be okay without people trying to like shame, Blake said, like shaming you or, or making you feel more uncomfortable than you already are without knowing. Cause like we, we all do it. We all judge people. We all make assumptions. You don't get irritated if somebody does something we don't like, but we don't really know what's going on in someone's day and someone's right. life, you know? Right. So it kind of is like a lesson for everybody, you know, like oh, absolutely. you don't know. Yeah. And I mean, even at school, I get it with the kids, you know, walking down the hallway, Miss Rogers, why do you walk so funny? Why do you move your arm like that? You know, and just going out and having people stare at you all the time. I've had people pointing at me, laughing at my friends. And I mean, my friends get so mad and they go off on people. And then I get upset <laughs> with them. I'm like, let's educate people instead of getting angry at them, you know, because we've all right. been there. Like you said, we've all judged other people. But, you know, I guess for my situation, this has humbled me more than anybody could ever know that it's, it's just my job to raise awareness at this point. And that's such a beautiful thing to do. And I think there's, you know, we forget that there's a lot of stigma associated. I mean, Amanda and I, we're in the addiction realm. So we deal with a lot of stigma associated with addiction, but we forget that there's stigmas associated with everything. Absolutely. Something as widely known as Parkinson's, everybody knows about it, but nobody really understands what it's like to be in somebody's shoes who's struggling with it and what that really looks like. You know, we all, we all, honestly, we all picture Michael J. Fox. And, and that's our go-to. Oh, that's, that's what early onset Parkinson's looks like. And that's all we really know. So seeing somebody out in public and not being educated on it, we hear from you that they're assuming all these different things. And it just shows how important it is what you're trying to do and how much purpose that must give you being that educator and being that, that voice for those other people that are struggling with Parkinson's. Right. And I I would say it's not even just Parkinson's either. It's whatever anybody's going through, you know, life gets tough for everybody, but I think it's really important for people to realize, you know, no matter what it is, you're not alone and it's mindset. That's everything. You know, if you don't, and you have to have that mindset, nobody else can do it for you. And it takes a lot of work to get there. But, you know, I always say this is no dress rehearsal. You've got one chance at life and I'll tell you what, I'm making the most of it, no matter what comes on my plate. I love that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And I, you know, like somebody like, like Kim, you know, I, I, I know you, I sent you the picture, Blake, but Kim is, is dropped at gorgeous is in impeccable, is impeccable shape, you know, has a bright light about her. So people probably see you, Kim, and just could never even imagine that that's what you're really going through inside, you oh, know? Yep. Um, and that it's even possible for somebody that, 
that looks like you. So it's just, it just, I think there's so many lessons in your story for so many people. And I, and I really hope that not just with us on this podcast, but you really get your message out there because people need to hear your story because it's powerful. It's inspiring. I mean, I have goosebumps. I've had tears in my eyes. And I, I think that like, you know, it'll help you and it'll help other people. Like definitely don't keep all this stuff in anymore. You know, right, like no, you I said, you started to open up to your friends and now you're taking this stuff. But I really think that, that you could save a lot of people. Thank you. Yeah. No. And you know, I kind of went blank for a few years, you know, after my relationship ended and just kind of, cause I was so busy taking care of other people with coaching. I just needed to, to get myself together because I can put a smile on for social media for work every day, but really deep down inside, that's not how I was feeling, you know? So in order to really right. do the work with myself, I kind of needed to just take care of myself, you know, and kind of forget everybody else for a while. And I had to be selfish, you know, for me and for my son. Definitely. You can't, you know, we and have to take care of ourselves. No. People need to realize, especially like single moms or people going through stuff, like people get so guilty about taking time for yourself. And I, and I even, sometimes I feel guilty saying this and I'm like, fuck it, you know, I shouldn't is probably the best, the thing that I love best about not being with my ex anymore is having time to myself. Like my, you know, we do 50, 50 in the time that my son's away. I love sitting in my house by myself doing absolutely nothing or going out with my girlfriends. Like you, you can't do that, you know, when you're well, that much in a relationship and I can do it now, you know, 50% of the time. And that's right. what I needed. Honestly, I needed that time just to be comfortable with myself too. Right. So you know, we're, we're coming towards the end of the podcast and you've given us so much incredible insight. And I think if you had one message to give to people who are struggling with anything, what would that message be? Is there anything in particular that comes to mind when I ask that? Honestly, I think it's just taking whatever you're going through and turning it into an opportunity to inspire and to help other people. Because everybody, like I said, is going through something and somehow your message or your story can help somebody else and whether it be sharing through social media going in speaking places or even just going to little groups and speaking with people or just finding one other person that you can help I say if you helped one person you made a difference and that's what it's all about you know and I always say God didn't put it on your plate or God put it on your plate for a reason and it may not make sense at the time but eventually it does and you know for me I would say at first I had no idea why the hell he did this to me but for me it's definitely to inspire and to help other people I think that's my calling you know and it sucks that it had to be through this realm. But at the end of the day, I mean, now that I have my, I've had, you know, deep brain stimulation surgery, I've had three brain surgeries and I'm honestly 90% back to normal. I have a huge wow. ass battery in my stomach that I hate, you know what I mean? But that's only cosmetic at the end of the day. And, you know, it, I, I, I can see past it and hopefully, you know, one day somebody will love me for me and see past it too, you know? Well, you're clearly an incredible woman and it's just, your message is so powerful. I, I love everything. I'm so glad we did this interview. So we do have one last little segment that we do on the show. Um, and I think it'll be very cathartic for all of us. I know it's still morning, so we get to release something early in the day here. We call it Let It Out. Okay. And that's where we all say one thing that we just that's bothering us, that we just want to let it out and just air it so we can let it out and let the universe take it from us. So oh, Lord. <laughs> you are our guest. I'm going to let you go ahead and go first. How about you guys go first while I think about this one? <laughs> Amanda? Oh, geez. I usually have one prepared. Let's see. Let <laughs> it out. Um, I guess my, my let it out would be kind of like inspired by, by Kim's story today. Um, is like, you know, and like I said, I'm guilty of it too. But like in the moment, 
myself and other people not thinking of others and what others can go through when we get, when I get frustrated, you know? So I, I, I know like it's, I use traffic as an example, like being on the road and like, you know, maybe it's not all about me sometimes. And if people cut me off or, or if someone's rude to me, maybe it's, you know, not like I, I, I have to stop taking things so personal sometimes, you know, and realize that everybody's going through some kind of battle. And when I take a step back, I, I know that, but I think in moments of life that I choose to not. So my let it out is like, just everyone remember that, you know, everyone's fighting some kind of battle and like sometimes make it less about ourselves and, you know, try to consider others more in silly moments, you know, cause I can do it on the deep level. It's the surface that, you know, I get lost in. So that's my let it out. That's a pretty good one. Um, I guess I would say my let it out is the idea of contempt prior to investigation. So it's people judging other people who are just not people who are not aware of the full scenario. So they see something, be it on social media, they hear something through somebody else and they automatically make a judgment about somebody else. And it's kind of goes along the same vein of what you were just talking about, Amanda, but it's just making assumptions based on what you see. And it's like, it's, it's essentially our imagination filling in the rest. So we see one thing and then our imagination fills in the rest of the story. And usually our imagination is wrong doing that. So then we make judgments on other people based on what our imagination has told us. And I think that's always a, uh, that always bothers me. I don't like I think people need to take the time to get to know each other and get to know each other's scenarios before we make judgments on each other. And of course, I'm guilty of it. Every human is guilty of it. But I think it's an important practice to keep in place of of getting to know people's full scenarios and not making judgments based on little snippets that we see of each other. Yeah. I'm, so I'm going to piggyback off what you two pretty much are saying. And my let it out is... Um, just treat me like I'm a normal everyday person. I'm so sick of being Parkinson's Kim. Like, yes, I get it. I have it, but that's not how I was born, you know? And at the end of the day, it's, yeah, my life may not be a hundred percent like yours, but get, you know, if you could see past the Parkinson's and see me for who I am, I think that makes a world of difference, you know, because I think some people are so shallow when it comes to, especially, you know, the dating world, which God sucks ass, but you know, it's like you look at somebody and you become so shallow because of, their movements or they have this battery in their stomach or they take medicine every couple hours or they have a, a tremor that comes out, you know, here or there, but it's like, get to know the person for who they are in their heart and soul before, you know, judging them. Well said. Yeah. I, I <laughs> yeah, think we all, we all kind of said the same thing. And I think it's an important message for all of us to try to get out there. So I, I that's awesome. Yeah, we, Blake and I can relate on that, that stigma because we don't want to be, like, we identify as people in recovery, but we don't want to be known as, like, the, the, the drug addict like we were, right. you know, oh, 12 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be known as that. I want to be known as a woman making a difference in the world and, and a good person who had a troubled past. Like, I don't want to, I don't, oh. you know, that's using it positively. I don't want to be known as that that a-hole that I used to be. Right. <laughs> so. And I think people need to lift other people up, especially women. Lift other people up and stop putting people down, you know? Like, I look at your story, Amanda, and you inspire me more than you know, too, you know? I know you from back in the day when you were, you know, Amanda, the user. But now it's like you've completely turned your life around, and it's absolutely amazing and inspiring, you know? And people Thank should you. look at you for the woman you are today. Thank you. So, Kim, Thank if you. people want to find you, where can they, where can they find you? They can find me on social media, um, pretty much. I am undercover because of my job, but now that we're out there, we'll go ahead and state it on Instagram. I am, I think I'm in my day BIM, I think on there, D-A-Y-B-I-M-M-M-M. 
And on Facebook, I am Bim Day, the opposite, B-I-M-D-A-Y. And you have a journey page that's made for you too, right? Oh, I do. Yes, I have actually, because I actually canceled social media for a bit while getting myself together last year. But on Facebook, my friends run a page for me. It's called Kim's PD Journey. And it goes through my whole thing with having my, you know, my whole journey and along with all my surgeries and everything. Yeah, it's pretty powerful stuff. Wow. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's pretty cool to see. So, all right. Well, thank you, Kim, for coming on the show with us and, and sharing your, your truth with us. I think it was, it was really impactful. So thank you so much for yeah, that. It was thank great. Thank you so much. Thank so you, guys. Much. This was awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity to share. Amanda, we, awesome. had, we had two great shows in a row. Do you realize that? I know. I know. I, We're off to kick-ass start. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So this is awesome. All right. Well, if you guys want to find us, check us out on Facebook at Overcoming Adversity Podcast. We also are uh, we are looking for guests. So if we're always looking for guests, and we will start the screening process as soon as you email us. So Overcoming Adversity Podcast at gmail.com. Send us a little bit about your story. Shoot us a message on Facebook. Uh, tell us what's going on with you, and let's see if we can get you on our show. So thank you guys yeah. for listening, uh, Amanda. Thank you, Kim. No, thank you, Kim, so much. Um, I'm just super inspired. You've made my, my whole day, and I, I hope I can see you in person since I know we live down the street from each other. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank but thank you. you so much for sharing your heart, and I know that takes so much courage, um, and we really appreciate you. Thanks, guys.